Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the plate of Maryland. As always, joined by Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. And possibly Father Scott Woods will drop in in a bit. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, now Mr. Frank Pavone, uh, formerly Father Frank Pavone, um, former head of uh, Priest for Life, and um, kind of uh, look at you know, uh, the full story and, um, uh, father discuss some things as to what's going on. So Father Larry. Okay. Ah, father Scott is here. Great. I'm glad he's with us. And, um, yeah, so I guess if we would name this, um, podcast is what happened to father Pavone or now Mr. Pavone. And, uh, you know, you know, there's obviously a lot of things we can't answer. Uh, and there's probably things behind the scenes we don't know. Um, you know, first off, Father Pavone, we we just tip our hat. He was really a warrior for the pro-life movement uh, since I was a kid. Yeah, there's all kinds of wonderful things he's done for the pro-life movement. Um, and, um, you know, I think one of the I was shocked when I someone said, hey, did you hear that Father Pavone was excommunicated? Or that's what they said. And they, they got the word wrong. And uh, and then I looked up, he was laicized. And some people say he was defrocked, which is how the media uh, you know, usually addresses this. And I was like, what did he do? And, uh, you know, first of all, like, oh no, please tell me it wasn't something like really it wasn't, awful. it wasn't because of that leather jacket. <laughs> well, I, I, my joke was he should be excommunicated for wearing that. But anyway, um, that was a bad joke. Anyway, he has, this, <laughs> there's a picture with this like biker jacket and it's like, <laughs> not the look you want to have, you know, but anyway, um, had too many silver buttons on it. Um, <laughs> stop father. <laughs> so anyway, but what really happened here? Well, first off, uh, I think we have to be careful of saying, you know, Vatican bad, father bond good. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people are looking at this, oh, he's just being canceled. And, uh, because he was pro-life Well, that, I don't know if that's necessarily true because, um, if it was, that was a case, he could have been canceled years ago. Um, and, and I think a lot of people respect his work in this area. So, um, I think the first thing is, um, well, what was your reaction, Father Scott, I mean, when you first heard about it? Well, I was shocked, absolutely and totally shocked. I, I was uh, hit for a short time head of uh, Seminarians for Life in my seminary at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And uh, so interacted, of course, with not with him personally, but with the organization. Always respected it, always saw the great work it was doing and continues. Um, but very, very shocked and, and immediately wanted to understand, try to understand, um, okay, what is going on? Because... Of course, I think even for me and for most priests, because just all the pressures and all the things happening in the world today, and in the church in particular, there came in that tendency to immediately think, uh, this is really about this or that, um, instead of what, you know, what, what it potentially is really about, and what at least I think the Vatican, or at least others around are saying, which is, that, and that's why I went to uh, go and look at articles that at least claim to say, and I'm not sure... Uh, at least claimed to say that that there was a, a thing of, of long-term disobedience to um, first bishops in New York and then to the bishop he presently has, and then there was a lot of confusion where he would say he was under a different bishop now, but his diocese said, no, he's not, and uh, financial things in there that, that at least are mysterious, not not that there's anything that at all that has said that he mishandled funds, but uh, nothing, no investigations have been done in that, but just that... Okay, there, there. Um, his bishop says, "Hey, I've ordered him back for a parish work. We need priests in the parish, and he's a member of this diocese. I'm his bishop, and of course, canonically, he has the right to call him back." And and he says there was not communication, um, and that he then went to 
Rome with this, and Rome said to the bishop at first, from everything I've read, that, hey, you didn't do things in the proper way. There have to be a number of different procedures. The procedures weren't done properly. Take it back, do it properly, which is communication. And uh, when it was, uh, there was no communication from what at least Rome says. He claims that there was no communication from Rome and that this was a shock to him. Rome is saying, no, this we we've, this has been going on for years, and you refuse to, to be obedient to your bishop. And certainly canonically, uh, that's the promise we make. Whoever our bishop is, uh, even if we disagree with the decisions, unless it's immoral or something, we, we must obey uh, that. Right. And so that, that well, let's stop. Let's stop at that point, Father Scott. You know, because I think uh, people have to also understand, you know, where we stand as priests. And that uh, the Crisis Magazine had a great article. I thought it was probably the best of all that I've read on this particular um, case with Father Pavone and. Um, you know, basically it said, what are the two signs of a faithful priest? Like uh, to understand what that means. And number one is faithfulness to the church's teachings. And I will, I, I don't think we can question that at all with Father Pavone. He was you know, hundred percent faithful to the magisterium. I would say, you know, to the official teaching of the church, that's not being questioned at all. Um, but the second part is that, um, there is obedience to law for authorities. You know, we have, we do as diocesan priests, um, but even religious, you know, to their superiors, there's, there's a, there is, um, we have to be faithful. And I think what the problem from what I understand with his, with his circumstances is that he saw himself as like his whole priesthood was about just the pro-life movement. But in, in reality, as a diocesan priest, if you're under a bishop, you're, if that can change, you know, the bishop says, I want you to do something different. Um, you know, unless you, unless, you know, you can talk the bishop out of it, you got to take it. And I think what happened is that one particular bishop wanted to turn him into a pastor and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And okay, well, that's what I want you to do. And there was other things he, he wanted to know what happened to all that, the money that came in for the religious order that didn't really turn out, didn't pan out. So what happened is $10 million refused to bring that over. So there's a little bit like, there's a little bit of shadiness in terms of like, you know, well, you know. The bishop asked for something. You gotta, you gotta tell him because he's your superior. I mean, Bill, he went. No, I was just gonna say, and I think you know, just to <clears throat> to quote Father Pavone himself, he, you know, he saw the pro life movement, if you will, as almost a subvocation of his vocation. I mean, he, that's the right. way he described it. He said, "This, you know, yes, I'm it's a my priest. Vocation. Yes, I'm a priest, but this is my vocation, uh, or so right. he thought. I mean, he, you know, and and I, I, I actually." believe I, I believe he you know he's he felt so strongly about it for sure um whether that's an option for priests diocesan priests you know to kind of declare that this is my vocation within my vocation apparently is it you know obviously well and all, i would say most of us have that i would say a father it's definitely well, your retreats for your me, vocation vocations. vocations yeah and, and it also has hit me times before i mean because this kind of came to me before once when i was going to be moved to a parish that seemingly um I was not going to be able to work with young people in the same way to promote vocations to the priestly life and religious life because of the you know, dynamics of the parish. And I started thinking, well, I need to call the diocese name, which is perfectly fine to call the bishop and say, hey, these are the reasons. This is my particular charism that has seemingly been confirmed over the years with my spiritual director. But always in my head was, but your eminence, hey, wherever you send me, that's where I will go. So always, in fact, I would start off with that because... I truly believe that the that the Lord works through, or you know, the, all the saints talk about this through your superiors. So unless the superior is asking you to do something immoral or something that you know is contrary to the faith, you, you're, you're obedient to it. And 
regardless of your personal charism, because sometimes this is the way the, the Lord humbles us, and that you know, and that 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 virtue of humility, and this is what we see with Padre Pio, even when the Vatican shuts him down. You know, you can't say public masses, you can't hear confessions. This was his main character, charism, and what did Padre Pio do? And so many other saints, they obeyed, they obeyed. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, you bring up a great point, Father Scott. Is um, well, I guess you. You know, the other thing I think we have to address here is like, how does someone get laicized? And I, it, this didn't happen overnight. Like, I think there's this idea that he pay, posted something online, and I, I you can't get laicized for that. I mean, I, there's no way. And I think Bill, we talked about this. Like, you know, even you know, it said GD something about uh, a, a particular political party or whatever. And uh, okay, not appropriate. Uh, you would usually get corrected, and you'd have to make a public apology. I think if you did something that was inappropriate. And I don't think he was laicized per se for that. Is that true or not true? That's true. And, and uh, there was certainly a, a seemingly a connection with um, a particular statement he made with the aborted baby uh, on, a, on a table that looked a lot to the normal eye, like an altar, though he said made very clear it was not an altar. I'm right. uh, wanting to show this is what we're fighting for, but it was a very political statement on basically this is why you have to vote this particular way. And that there was seemingly was a reference uh, to that incident in this, but that it seemed to very uh, most of the articles I've read um, have said that no, it really has been a long process. This was part of that. This became part of it, but it wasn't the whole. Much larger was the whole I- issue of obedience uh, to one's lawful authority. Right, right, and uh, I think it'd be good to help people understand like what are the three ways um, that. Uh, someone can be laicized. Bill, do you have that article handy on you? I do. Yeah. Can we, can you go, can you flip to the, the three? I know there, well, the first one is that, a, and if you could flip to that, would be great. Uh, the first one is a priest can ask for it, right? So unfortunately, I think Father Scott and I have both met priests that have left the priesthood and asked that they could be dis- laicized, you know, and also dispensed from the discipline of celibacy so that maybe they could get married. Uh, when things blow up in the priesthood. It's a very unfortunate thing, but the church can do that, right? So that would be the first way, Father Scott, is that a priest would ask for it to correct, the, to the diocese, which would go to Rome, and Rome would have to grant it, correct? They don't have to grant it. They they can choose. Right. I mean, normally normally they, they would after some time. They often want the guy to, to have some period of time to, to discern. To ponder, like, do I really want to do this? The case where they'll go a little somewhat faster is if clearly there was a, a child... Uh, out of out of sacramental marriage, um, now there's an obligation for that priest to provide for that child. Of course, accompanying with this is then that scandal. So they would move faster potentially to to lay aside and to lay aside, lift uh, lift the yeah. Right. What's the second way, Bill, that some can be lay aside? I think it's that the Vatican, it's the bishop can ask the Vatican to do it directly. And then they would have to go to the dicastery, and the dicastery would make the decision upon the case that they're putting towards the priest. And I think that's how this happened: is that the bishop brought the case to the Vatican, asking them to investigate this, and they did, and they grant they granted the laization without without his knowledge of it. I, I would believe, or I guess the case they say that he was that they did reach out to him, but there's some miscommunication. Yeah. He claims he did not receive any communication. This was complete shock. They say that they did. And that's part of where the, a lot of the controversy lies. Um, Right. uh, 
you know, because canonically they do have to inform him uh, of what's right. going on. And in other cases, I know where this has happened. Uh, the person was definitely informed, so it, it definitely would be an unusual thing for the person not to be informed. Um, right. I've not, in fact, I've not heard of anyone claiming they weren't, but I'm not. I, you know, the church is large. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. I mean, the money, you know, the, uh, it, well, yeah, I, now it's going to escape me because I just was getting ready to bring it up, but uh, uh, we just had a bishop, right, that has to be uh, lay aside. Yeah. Uh, the like last week, I believe. Um, was it from the United States? I can't I uh, know I was going to do that as soon as I brought it up. I'm like, I'm remembering that case, yeah. and I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting what, where I, th- I think so. But was, he's a retired bishop, correct? And it was in the United States, though. Yeah, it was yeah, a retired US bishop. bishop yeah. yeah, but um, and I mean the money. You know, the the a thing that so many people are asking is, which I uh, need to be careful here, since I we, we all know priests who are, you know, in 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 kind of ministries now outside of parishes, who are in positions of quote unquote, you know, in the leadership of those organizations, but. You know, many are questioning the: Can a priest effectively be a priest and the equivalent of a CEO? You know, of a of an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and with all of the, you know, with the, and, and and again, this goes back to it's a he said she said thing. But there are questions about more than one bishop asked for f- some financial reportings from him. Uh, again, right. that's that's their that's their side. Um, right. And yeah, oversight is the key thing. Like yeah. in a parish, you know, canonically you have to have a finance council, which I'm very thankful for in our parish, yeah. uh, to, who, who can be the ones that other parishioners can go to and know that there's accountability beyond the pastor himself. It's for both the, the good of the parish, number one, but it's also for the good of the priest to keep him honest and to, to have others questioning in a good, healthy way. And, and that's what um, should be happening there. Uh, there. Those claiming that that there really isn't that over same oversight. Uh, Father Pavone has said no, there is. That I have a board, and that they are backing me, and and so that, so there's that's one of those disputed uh, questions. But that's where the bishops said, look, we want to see what's going on here because we don't know, and it's our people who are giving uh, to this, and we want to make sure that this is all in the up and up because at least um, uh, this, uh, we're dealing with a lot of money, literally millions here. Yeah. And then Father right. Pavone came back and said, look, this organization is independent of any particular bishop. It doesn't claim to be in of itself Catholic, and therefore it doesn't have to uh, give that type of accountability. Right. I think it's unwise for a priest to be a CEO um, of, of an organization, especially with a ton of money, just because of the, something could go wrong and then it falls upon you. And you're, well, even, you know what I mean? even not for profits, I mean, because let's be honest. I mean, yeah. It always makes me laugh when I see a hospital underneath the hospital's name. It says a not-for-profit hospital. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> but yes, I, I would agree, you know, even for those labeled not, not-profits. not I mean, a lot of money comes into non Someone else, yeah. A lay person should yeah. do that, uh, you know. Now, but I also think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it is a nonprofit, but does the nonprofit fall under the diocese, the, the jurisdiction of the diocese? So in other words, if, um, I think let's say his, I started... What's that? I think that's his argument. Right. And what's the answer to that? That's a good question. Right. I don't know. So, I mean, if I just started, like, if we made Deeper Dive, it turned into this, like, huge thing, which, you know, whatever. And it, it's, and, and it became a nonprofit or whatever. So or, that's, that's a nonprofit, but that's run, that's not run by, it's run by 
by by you or just or just whatever well, but right. it's not and, and in this case it, it any any dime or penny that comes in for the podcast you know goes to the goes, goes to, to the, the podcast parish. exactly or in and the oversight is through the parish in that case Correct. our parish you know bookkeeper has uh, holds our account and you know anything exactly uh, comes in so then the question would be this what if the diocese came to you and said hey we want to know what kind of money you got going on yeah that's is, the cool what, thing i picked the phone up and say call uh our uh <laughs> call so and so our bookkeeper yeah you know right but would you have to do that yes but it's different for you it's because for you're a lay person a, yeah and, and we're in a pair in a parish in a parish so we so. could oh, we would almost have to well, and right it gets even weirder because i'm a pair i'm a diocese technically a diocese an employee, employee exactly well. yeah. yeah but yeah there are there's but, but this well, is the good things. This, we'll, yeah, the this, good things will never make ten million dollars. Exactly, <laughs> not this year. Well, well, this gets to the vows, the vows we make, the promises we make of, of obedience, but also a right. lot of people forget that second part: respect, obedience, obedience, and respect. And right. therefore, and you know that that whole part of respecting the authority of the bishop. Right. That you know under normal under normal circumstances, I just couldn't see a reason not to if everything's going the right way now again he could have reasons that he hasn't enunciated i haven't seen any others but uh, yeah and i'd stick with that general rule of generally speaking good things aren't going to happen if you say no <laughs> so, well you know. i think it well, raises red flags right. sure too. immediately yeah. yeah yeah yep right so i guess just so people understand he is now not able to celebrate mass or hear confessions in a public fashion or ever right i don't believe even privately Wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's, this is, it, it's one of the worst. See the, the thing that gets me though, it's about this, which my heart goes out to father Pavone is like, that is the worst punishment a priest could go through. Like when you get, I mean, it's like, that's what happened to Cardinal McCarrick. He got, or now he's Mr. McCarrick. He got stripped of his faculties to be a priest, which he, you know, he was guilty of something much worse, obviously. And I guess maybe some people just get upset because I don't know if we're getting the whole story and that's where, people are getting angry is like, what exactly did he do? That was so egregious that would um, well, get him to be, to be lay aside yeah, because that's a, a nightmare. Yes. Right? It naturally lends itself to, you know, taking sides and then those will come out. Well, what about so-and-so and what that's, about so-and-so? That's right. the thing. That, and you I know. think that's the first thing many, many good Catholics go to is like, okay, we have other priests running around teaching Absolute and total heresy. Heresy, <laughs> you know? right. And, and they're not laicized. And they're not laicized and, and not even often or, or, even reprimanded. Exactly, yeah. And here's the ultimate throne thrown uh, against him. And that's and I think that does, uh, you know, I think there's there's you know much there that has caused a lot of us to be. Yeah, I mean this is upset. this is the you know wrong word, but it this is the kind of largest weapon in in the arsenal. For, outside the, of for the church, outside of yeah, exactly outside of excommunication. It's an atomic missile. I mean, against the priest, <laughs> sure, to laicize them. I mean, but, I, I, but it's, traditionally, I mean, obedience is one of those where you do use that. I mean, that's the other thing too. The, there is a history whereby, yes, the the obedience one owes to the bishop. That's a that that's a promise you make to God, not just right. to that bishop, you right? Make it to the bishop successor, but ultimately to God that I will be obedient and respectful to my bishop. And traditionally in the past, too, like, yeah, if a priest or even a bishop um, were so disobedient to the authority that they, that, that, right. that, that trigger is pulled, and that's been throughout the history of the right. church. Well, and I think, too, it's like people start question, scratching their head, too. It's like, well, what about 
these, you know, German bishops, these people, the Dutch yep. priests, they're, the they're disobedient. Yep. And like, they're like to the Pope, like the Pope says, don't do that. Or, cause I think there were a couple of things or, or even they're doing something that's flat out heretical and there's just nothing, there's nothing addressed. And I think that's, I don't think people would have a big problem with Pavone's story if they saw more of that, where a priest that was actually doing something and I'm saying I'm not, and I'm not justifying Father Pavone because we don't know the whole story, but like something that was just unorthodox, heretical, because you never see people get um, laicized for being heretical today, and that's actually one of the one of the causes for excommunication. You're supposed to be corrected for that, and I don't think. See, that's the thing is he never did anything heretical. He probably did something that was um, imprudent, right? And I mean, it just this has, seems this seems to, to, to it seems yeah to, it, it seems that this is kind of the equivalent in the in the secular world, you know this is a this is a this is discipline on a as a personnel action. You disobeyed your superior. I mean, right. for what we know, there's there could be more, could be less, could this could be it. Unlike what you know, sometimes what you're talking about uh, matters of kind of uh, faith and morals or or even straight up heresy. Yeah. You don't, it, it appears that, that not much corrective action has come from, it comes, uh, comes from the Vatican of late on those matter on those type of matters. Yeah. I think that's the frustration and that this is, this is very clearly without appeal. There's no appeal. Yeah. It's made very clear. Now what he happens has, what he happens? No, he can't appeal this because this this is under the authority of the See of Peter, and and no appeal will be accepted. So, what happens when we have a new leader? Does that change anything? Could he? Is there an well, appeal? Well, he can always appeal to yeah. He always appeal to you know later the on, new or, pope. Mm-hmm. yeah, right. a, new, a new pope in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows where that would go? Right. But at least right now, it's very clear. There's no no court of appeal. Is now can he is I mean is that stand in canon law? Yes. Yes. Wow. At least wow. my my friend who's a canon lawyer confirmed for me that this this was all connected. He as he read it, everything was canonically done correctly. Did many who are disputing that online? I, I can't. Oh. All I can do is say my trusted a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine who are trusted canon lawyers said, nope, this was all at least you know as everything was written from everything seems to be done completely correct what they're saying. I so see. it was, you mean the, the process was, the process, was done yeah. properly. Now again, he's mm-hmm. claiming that it wasn't, that he wasn't informed. And part of the process is that you're, you're definitely informed. You have time because what they're saying is, Hey, we gave him time to do what his bishop told him to do. He refused to do it. He refused to meet with his bishop. And the bishop is saying that he refused to meet with me. He refused to be obedient. And otherwise right. this wouldn't have gone through. And only after years and years of this, now we're at the point where since he's so stubborn and abuse, that's it. Right. Yeah. And as you can imagine, right. as you, it, well, not imagine, as you well know from, uh, you know, just a look at the internet of late. I mean, this is, this is just, again, divide. Well, even the secular media. I mean, that yeah. he's, I mean, oh, they're, they totally, you know. I mean, even Protestant media jumped yes. on this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a huge thing. Like what happened? What did he do wrong? And, and al- um, almost, almost to the T it's kind of though, you know, you're, 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 everyone's, well, what about the, you know, or what about, and it's, and there's no, I mean, there's no, there's no answer to that. You can't answer. There isn't because we, we also have to recognize that, you know, we're dealing with a certain type of judgment that the, those in authority make. 
um, in which we recognize they can be wrong, right? And, and I'm not talking about his case. I'm talking about in terms of when we look at other cases um, and, and nothing happens. And so, you know, they, they, like all of us, will have to answer to the Lord for what, you know, when we have authority, how we use it or choose not to use it. So sins of commission, sins of omission, and and uh, and I think, like you said, that this is this is especially what has really upset many is that, wait a minute, this is being done against him for this reason, but there are people who've done, you know, even wor- far worse with other things, or at least as it seems, and in terms of really publicly going against the church's teachings and leading others in that direction, and and nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just a sad story. I, I just, it just, it just really takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. You know, I, I just think it, it just seems it seemingly for me, I mean, just from a, as a priest perspective and just reading from my life, I think it could have been dealt with differently. It just seems too punitive of a too severe of an action. Well, for, I, I think it's least, care- yeah, because it, it all depends on which, you know, who's telling us but, you know, the authority they're saying they, they waited years and that they, you know, well, I think it's maybe seven years or something of this of this going right. on, and so it's like, okay, how many more years do you give? Because it, ultimately, what his bishop has said is the thing that was ultimately being asked is, re- return to obedience, come home, and that right. there was never a point where he was willing to to be obedient, come back, and come back, right. even to have a a face to face conversation. From what I understand, his bishop is saying, in which case, when the person's cut you, him, kind of cut you off and refusing. How long do you wait? How much long? How many more years um, do you go? And that's and that's what Rome, at least, I guess, is saying. Yeah. But it's very sad. It's very sad, especially just such a warrior for the pro-life movement, and and one has done so much good in so many lives. Well, I mean, the good news to take away from this is he, you know, it, the the organization will continue. He will, that for that matter, continue that mission. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So it'd be like. <laughs> not priest for life, Father Mr. Boone. Well, no, 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 no. The organization no, will. The Vatican yeah. document made clear since the organization's not a Catholic, not doesn't bill itself as a Catholic organization, um, right. he can stay head as a layman. The, 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 actually, the document actually makes that clear, surprisingly. Um, that, Interesting. That they can choose, those in charge can choose to keep him as head, but as Mr. Pavone, not mm-hmm. as a, he can't present himself as a priest or offer the sacraments. But if he wants to continue, they've made clear. That, uh, he can the, do it. He can do it. Right, and the pre and the priests who are considered part of that organization, priests for life, you know, can continue. As, yeah, can, yeah. There's can, nothing saying that the priests should stop. Right. Well, that's interesting though. too. That that piece of information is consoling. You know that there, there's <laughs> it so almost is like a it's almost like a life ring for him. I mean, it, you know, in yeah. that he can continue the mission, albeit as a lay person, which I'm sure was not his choice. Um, but he's also not. Not looking around for a place to live right now, or what he, you know what he's going to do. I mean, he, like Father said, the organization was not in any way, you know, penalized with in in this case. Right, right. So, well, anyway, um, so folks, I mean, it, there's some good articles out there. Crisis Magazine. Do you know any? What were the other ones we were looking at that were good? Uh, I'll put I'll, I'll put links on the. On yeah, we'll put some yeah. links on this particular story just to know this. I mean. Right now, I think we should pray for uh, Mr. Ravone, or you know, he's always a, will always be a priest because he is a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. You can't take away. I mean, he always will be a priest once he's ordained, but unfortunately, he cannot uh, celebrate the sacraments. But pray for him and pray for his 
uh, for the organization, which has done so much good for uh, the pro-life movement. And uh, yeah. And, and, pray, and for uh, the, got, pray for the church and those in authority. Yeah. I mean, we had to, his bishop and everyone involved because it, it didn't seem nobody was rejoicing. <laughs> you know, there was no one doing no. a victory lap in this. I, I think I had the feeling that, you know, from his, from his diocese and bishops too. And, and just that we have to just so much not lose, not lose hope or let this deflate what Christ is doing and what Christ can still do, you know, even right. through, you know, and through him and through the organization and, and that we have to keep our own eyes on the prize, you know, that there's going to be Padre Pio and others. And again, I'm not comparing him to Padre Pio, but, but just that many, many, many in the church have gone through different ups and downs in various ways with authority figures. And, and yet God can still do good things. And so we have to pray right. that, that he allow God to still do good things in the proper way through him, and that uh, the Lord help us, you know, in our own, you know, seeking of proper obedience to our authorities, which again, at times we really tough, and and yet we have to have that humility, and so we have to pray too that we have that humility. We need in wisdom and prudence. Right, right. Okay, folks. Well, anyway, hope that that kind of helped you a little bit to understand what's going on here. And it's very, it it's somewhat complicated. Maybe it's not that complicated. And I think the truth will ultimately come out. Um, but I do think there was this. I think there was an underlying. You know, I mean, one one thing that we had to take over is we can understand on one side that, you know, as priests we have to be we have to communicate with our bishops because we have that yeah, he's our superior. And even if we disagree or whatever the case might be. Uh, and who knows, maybe if he'd done it, we wouldn't, wouldn't be in the situation. I don't know. Um, I think that uh, it does seem uh, a little bit unfair because we see other things happening and other people aren't getting punished. At. It, it's almost like, you know, as, as a family, we can sometimes feel like, you know, certain members get picked on and whatever. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's, a good, well, that's a good analogy that the, the family model is that how many I always times got in you trouble. Know, as a kid, Remember yeah. <laughs> are you are you are you get a punishment and you're like, why is, why am I getting punished? And he or she did the same thing or worse. Yeah, they did some worse. You know? right, next week yeah. we're ha- we're bringing some of your brothers and sisters on and some of your family <laughs> on, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find out the truth here. Unfi- we're gonna do some unjust punishments. <laughs> right. Okay. So, all right, Father Scott, can you give us our blessing? Certainly, in the, name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon uh, Mr. Pavone upon. Uh, the authority figures in our church, our bishops, our pope, um, we ask, Lord, for a deeper uni- unity in the church and that you give the Holy Spirit, you give guidance uh, to those in authority, that they uh, use uh, the authority you've given them in a proper way, that you give to all of us a humility that we need and that you give us trust, Lord, that you are still in charge, even when we don't understand all the things that are happening or don't like them or recognize that everything is always happening the way it should. We ask, Lord, that we trust in you, that you are our Savior. You are so good. Even in the midst of this mixed-up world, your light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so give to us as we prepare in these final days before Christmas that peace, that joy, that hope we need, our families need, the world, the church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.